Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Roar Lions Roar. We are here to kick off our season previews, and to start things off, we are going to start with quarterback. I should probably introduce myself first. Hi, everyone. I'm Matt Lipovitz. Uh, good to see everyone. Joining me in the in the heart of Big Ten country as of today in Seattle, Mr. Nick Polak. Nick, hello. How are you? That's right. Yeah, heart of Big Ten country, Seattle, Washington. Fascinating. Uh, I'm it doing used great. to be me here in Chicago. I'm glad that we could expand. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing great. I'm. I mean, I know many fans of Pac-12 teams are justifiably upset right now, um, but very selfishly for me personally, this is a great thing. So you know, good for me. It feels weird. Um, I don't want to talk too much about it because I feel like realignment has like taken up so much of the air out of the preseason. Like so much of the conversation is about things that like, yeah, I couldn't care less about right now. Um, it is weird. I'm, I'm happy that Penn state is in a power player conference. I think that is a very good thing to be. Um, and I'm just curious to see what this sport looks like. in even like three years from now, because it's going to be drastically different than what we're going to see. Uh, hearing about like 27 yeah. days. Yeah, of it's going to be a whole different world. But Nick, you and I are in for a bit of a different world at the quarterback position for the Penn State Nittany Lions this upcoming fall. Sean Clifford, after six years with the program, four years as a starter, departs, heads over to the Green Bay Packers, where he's battling currently for the backup job to Jordan Love and Cliff's best year, Nick, was probably last year. You think that's fair to say? Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't. Even, I don't remember if, offhand if it was statistically his best year, but I think it was pretty clearly his best year when you consider like the, you know, the anecdotal evidence as well. Yeah, and those statistics: two twenty-six for three fifty-one uh, completion-wise, two thousand eight hundred and twenty-two passing yards, twenty-four touchdowns to go along with seven interceptions. Also, as usual, a big threat in the run game. Ran for one hundred and seventy-six yards, which was third on the Nittany Lions team this past fall, and five touchdowns as well. So, Cliff exits. I'm very happy for Sean Clifford, but now it's time for a guy who at least. You and I, Nick, have had the Aller Sean Clifford debate, maybe more on this podcast than anybody else. And that's done. That era is over. We can move ahead as former five star sophomore now, Drew Aller, enters the fold for Penn State this upcoming fall. He saw action in a lot of games for a backup quarterback. Like, ignore the fact that, like, they were clearly trying to make him ready to start next year. Just from, like, a pure. This dude saw action very early in his career. He saw action in that first game of the year against Purdue, where he came in there and threw like four passes. He saw action the next week in Ohio. He played at Auburn. He played at Michigan. He played in the Rose Bowl. Like, this is a dude who saw action in a lot of big games. And final stat line for him for the year, 35 completions on 60 attempts, 344 yards, and four touchdowns. So not too bad, Nick. So... Let's just dive right in. Drew Aller, what are you hoping for in year one as a starter for the Medina, Ohio native? Um, what am I hoping for? Uh, I guess what's re- what are you expecting? Might be a better way to word this. Um, I think I'm expecting. 
I think it's fair to expect something that looks similar to maybe a small step down from what Clifford did last year, numbers, statistic wise, when it comes to passing. Although okay. it really does seem like they are like working to make Aller you know, usable in the run game as well. He probably won't have as many rushing yards as Clifford did, but I would, wouldn't be surprised no to see him have like five or six rushing touchdowns. Um, They'll have certain packages, I think, for him. Like, if you remember, on fourth down a couple of times, they did quarterback power. Yeah. I mean, Aller's built like Big Ben was. Like, they scored on fourth down with it against Rutgers. They converted a fourth and sh- fourth and short against it against some MAC team. Like, Aller can move, I think, more. But like, to expect those design like quarterback runs, like Clifford scored on against Auburn and I think Rutgers, I don't think those can be in the playbook no. with Aller under. And that they don't need to be. And honestly, I think one of the main no. reasons that. Like, I don't think expecting a repeat of what Clifford necessarily did last year or better than that is I don't think that's necessary because the run game should be so good and the offensive line should be so good to support Mm -hmm. that running game. So it's just not going to be necessary for him to be doing that much. And I think, you know, James Franklin and Mike Yersich would probably prefer it that way. Like, yeah, he's, you know, he obviously comes with all the hype in the world, but that doesn't mean that you want to put your team's playoff hopes on the shoulders of this first time starter so i think it's probably a good expectation to look at something around what clifford did last year with just maybe a couple steps down from that statistic wise not like quality of play wise yes statistic wise step down and like i mean like quality of play wise like i mean they're there's very different players, so it's hard to even really compare mm-hmm. them, honestly. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Nick, I have some numbers I want to throw at you. And this isn't my prediction for like what his stat line is going to look like. I just want to get a feel for for what you think, that, if this is realistic or not. Does that sound Go okay? Okay. So here's a stat line that I'm just going to throw out there. Drew Aller in year one as a starter. 67% completion percentage. 25 touchdowns. Seven interceptions. Unrealistic, realistic. Where do we fall here? I think that's realistic. I, I'm okay. not. I have to think a little more, and I'm sure we'll get to something like this when we get to the over under pod. I have to think more about whether I would want to necessarily like wager money that he hits those lines. But I think, as far as just like a general, like, is this something within the realm of possibility? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so those numbers are 5% better than Sean Clifford's numbers were in those departments last year is how I came out yeah. to that. Um, quick caveat, Clifford threw seven picks last year, but 5% of seven was like negligible. So I left it at seven. Um, if you want to call it six, fine. That's raising the expectations. But that's what I've been saying, I think, for the past couple months is that I need Aller to be 5% better than Sean Clifford for this team to live up to my 11 and one expectation. And When you put the numbers in front of us, I didn't put passing yards in here for the reason that I don't think Penn State is going to throw the ball as much this upcoming fall. So just being 5% better in his opportunities is what I'm looking for. And that's where I think completion percentage comes in. I put touchdowns in there just because I think that sometimes in the red zone, they kind of clammed up a little bit. You know, you could say that's just going to be more running room anyway. We can throw that number out too, but that would be 5% better than what we saw in year six of Sean Clifford would be six, 7% completion, 25 touchdowns, seven picks. 
I think somewhere around like the the sixty four percent completion, I'll say you know twenty three touchdowns, and I'll say nine picks could be realistic. The only thing that I think would where those numbers would then be five percent better is if those you know turnovers especially are spread out over more games. Like you can't have the four turnover game at home against Ohio State anymore. That just can't happen if you want to win. Like you cannot have the backbreaking interception against Purdue that then leads to you having to have this Herculean effort in week one to go out there and win. Like I think he can throw more interceptions, but still put together a a better body of work depending on when those throws and when those mistakes happen. Because to Clifford's credit, he was very, very good at controlling that offense and commanding that offense. And he looked very comfortable. And I think Aller can live up to that. And I, I don't want to discount what experience means, but I'm not necessarily of the belief that experience is all that important for a quarterback. Hmm. That's an interesting take. I, well, before I answer that, I will push back. I don't think that Clifford, I don't think that Aller being 5% better than Clifford was last year is like a, like if that doesn't happen, Penn State can't go to the playoff. Like, I don't think that's true because I think the run game is going to be even more prolific this year. And I think the defense is going to be incredible. Um, but I, I understand right. what you're Maybe saying. Maybe I should caveat this. If, if, if Penn State makes the playoff, I think Aller is the third most important piece in that. I think number one's the defense. Number two is the run game. Yeah. And then I think Aller is the third part of that. Yeah. Um, now I just said that I totally, what, what was I even disagreeing with you just now? Goodness. The, the experience, I made, I've made the experience point like, oh, just to oh, our yeah, friends yeah. a lot <clears throat> lately. And like, again, it comes back to this, like, I'm really happy for Sean Clifford. I don't want this to turn into me minimizing what he did. Like if, if Sean Clifford's experience in his fifth and sixth year was two total touchdowns against Michigan and six turnovers in two games against Ohio state, like that experience just wasn't worth much, much to me. Like I know it helped them to avoid some dumb losses, but it, it nearly didn't like, especially in that Purdue game, like experience definitely is, is a factor in a quarterback's success, but I don't think that if Penn State drops a game, they shouldn't. I don't necessarily think it's going to be because of Aller's inexperience. I don't think that's unfair, but I think you are discounting a bit the effect that a quarterback's experience level has on everybody else around them. Um, Because it's not that like, it's not that Sean Clifford being at Penn State for 67 years like it's it's not that fact alone and not his own ability and like it's it's not those things like just those things about him that makes the difference i think it's you know think about all the moving parts that penn state's offensive line has had over the last three years think about all the moving parts in the run game like totally new run game this past year um think about all the different you know they've cycled through more receivers than probably most schools do because they've you know struggled to really put together true consistency in that department. So I think having experience at the quarterback position, maybe not necessarily showing up in terms of like, like you said, like you used the point of maybe it's, maybe it's not showing up in the form of beating Ohio state or Michigan when you really need to. But I think the point of not losing the dumb games is also one that you glossed over a bit too quickly because I think there are, were probably, probably a lot yeah. of opportunities for things to go wrong, especially last year. 
um, offensively that having Sean Clifford helped cover up. I think Drew Aller's uh, talent level can, you know, cover up for things the same way that Sean Clifford's experience did. But like, I love the example of the, um, the Nick Singleton touchdown run against Utah, where they did that, the fake check with me thing. I don't know that Mm -hmm. that's something they do with, you know, a quarterback who's starting his seventh or eighth game, because that just, it requires total, confidence and coordination and a deep understanding of what's going on with the offense. So I think it's, I think you glossed over it a bit. I understand what you're saying though. Mm-hmm. So the, the thing I want to make sure I hit on is Clifford a lot of the time, like think back to 2019 where his offensive line was some inexperienced guys, some red shirt freshmen, the wide receiver room was KJ Hamler. And I don't really think anybody else that would have been, Jahan Dotson's sophomore year. So before he really broke out, he had Fryermuth as the security blanket, and then he had some freshman tailbacks. And then 2020 was, again, another round of freshman tailbacks, some inexperienced guys. It was Dotson's kind of breakout. 2021, not all that much experience. And then you drop Aller in here, who I think is a higher ceiling. And the offensive line, at least the projected starters right now, are all going to be at least third-year guys in the program or more. I guess Norzad, second year in the program, sixth year of college football. These are old players in the college football world blocking for him up front. His pass catchers, Dante Cephas, fifth-year guy, new to the Big Ten, but reliable enough. Keandre Lambert-Smith, year four. Trey Wallace, year three. The tight ends, Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren, year four. The running backs, two of the most explosive and talented running backs who are now experienced in the country. Like the players surrounding Aller, I think are going to help prevent him make mistakes because they're all going to understand their role. And they'll know that from day one, which isn't a luxury. I don't really think Cliff exactly got like, no, he didn't. I think this line being, I think this line being one of the better in the big 10 is going to be huge for Aller. I think the backs taking so much off of his plate are going to be huge. Like, They need people to step up at wide receiver, but they don't need him to go out there and do the Sean Clifford 2021 thing where he has to throw 50 times a game. Like if our throws it, I think like 19 times a game under 20, I think that's totally acceptable in a winning formula. And again, that's just a luxury that you want to have for your five-star quarterback and not a lot of programs can offer that. And I like that Aller's getting dropped into that situation, dropped in. He's been here. He'll be here for 20 months by the time September 2nd rolls around, but he'll be able to enter the starting role in a very advantageous position. Yes. I think. With the caveat of the lack of a true standout number one receiver being, you know, a fairly notable one. But aside from that, yes, it is about as good of a situation as you could hope to be dropping a first year quarterback into for sure. Agreed. Do you think Aller's like the most known commodity first-time starter Penn State's had in like so a decade? You put, yeah, yeah, you put this question on the outline, and I'm I'm not totally sure that I agree that he is. I understand why you would have said it. Really? I think he is. Numbers-wise, he is. He threw more passes sure. than, obviously, Hack, true freshman, came in. McSorley only really had the bowl game, but we saw him have like competitive live bullets. I'll give you that. Clifford came in, not that many live bullets, like... Aller's already thrown more passes in his one year than Tommy Stevens did in his four. Yes. Like that, that, that breaks my brain. So that's kind of where, where I got this right. question. And I, I, 
I've read your mind perfectly. I understood exactly why you asked this question and that I, I knew exactly that that was going to be your, your reasoning why. But for me, when I think back on it, the only reps that Aller took that I would really call like competitive, like some other word I can't think of type reps would be the start of the second Mop-up half of the Purdue not, game. Not- and right. the um, Michigan game, where at that point they were already right. so far behind that it didn't really matter anyway. I don't. So for me, like, yeah, I, I'm glad he had opportunities to get into other games. Like, I'm I'm glad he got extended run against like Indiana, for example. Like that was great for him. Mm-hmm. But overall, like, I wouldn't. I would say that I feel like I know about. As far as literally what they did have shown on the football field, I don't feel like I know more about Drew Aller than I did about Trace McSorley because we saw Trace McSorley play what three quarters of that bowl game. Yeah, I I think even more than that, maybe like three and a half quarters. Like he was in there most of that game because Hack got hurt fairly early, if I remember correctly. Um, So we got to see like McSorley like go through and in basically an entire game script against, you know, this is before Georgia was really Georgia, but they, Georgia always has talent. Like they've always had talent. So we got to see him do it against a lot of talented football players. We got to see him do it with the full offense for the full stretch of time. I feel like we saw more of Mick Sorley with the ones in that one game than we probably saw with Aller with the ones all year. Now, I think with the, you know, there's always a certain um, greater level of visibility when you're a guy like Drew Aller as a mm-hmm. recruit, right? Like he's the five-star kid. His videos are floating around all over the internet. We weren't watching videos of Trace McSorley for when, when he was being recruited, no. like when Franklin brought him over with him from Vanderbilt as a recruit, like we weren't watching Trace McSorley highlights because he wasn't even the highest rated quarterback in his class. It wasn't Michael O'Connor in that class too. Yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah. It, it's when like, I think that does partially paint this as an, in an unfair light because I don't consider knowing them as recruits, knowing them as starting quarterbacks in college necessarily. So, I understand where the question came from, but I don't think I feel comfortable saying that I know more definitively about what Drew Aller is going into his first year as a starter than I did Trace McSorley. That's that. I guess I didn't put maybe as much stock as you did in that bowl game against Georgia. Um, And that's, that's a good point. Like I understand that, you know, although Aller has seen live bullets, like how, how high pressure was it? Like, and it, I guess you're right. It was very different compared to, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I think I know more about Aller than I do about like McSorley or Cliff or, or Hack just by nature of like, uh, you know, he came up in the era of social media. You know, we all saw at the posts, he's been hyped up for forever. Um, we've seen the current OC call plays with him in the game. Like we've seen the quarterback power enter the playbook. We've seen the fact that they clearly think he can sling it that Amari Evans deep ball. Um, I think in the, this one pass temp in the Rose bowl was a, like a, just a 40 yard bomb to see if he can get it. Like, I think we have a better idea of what the offense is going to be, but maybe that's not the same thing as being a known commodity. I guess 
huh, you may have changed my mind here on this a bit, Nick, as, I, as I'm kind of talking through it. It's interesting. And, you know, the good news is we don't have to wait much longer to really see what he is with kickoff just about 26, 27, 28 days wow. away, which, Nick, should give you just enough time to order and have your T-shirts, your sweatshirts, your crewnecks, your joggers delivered from our friends over at Homefield Apparel. Nick, what do you know about Homefield oh, Apparel? Man, I know so many things about Homefield Apparel. I know that they, you know, they work harder than basically any other clothing company out there to, you know, make interesting things. Like you just don't see stuff like Homefield stuff they anywhere do. else. Their Banner Week stuff has been really cool. And they are our podcast official sponsor. And we are heading into our second year of our partnership with our friends over at Homefield. They make some of the coolest Penn State apparel out there in the marketplace today. Again, crewnecks, t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, joggers. I personally cannot wait. I've already decided I'm going to wear my new uh, Nittany Lions script tee for the bar for the first game of the year. And they had the initial 15-piece Penn State collection and then a new drop of about 13 items just a couple of weeks ago. And our listeners, a new code this year as we head into the fall. It's RLR23 now for 15% off your first order. That's all caps, all one word, RLR23. Again, 15% off your first order. A ton of great Penn State stuff and some schools. Maybe if you're not a Penn State fan, Slippery Rock, Pitt, Rutgers, you name it, they're out there. Thank you to Homefield for sponsoring this podcast. And Nick, who is it said is the favorite player of any given First fan of all, base? what a fascinating trio of schools you just pulled out for that. What? Slippery, Slippery Rock, Rock Pitt, and Pitt, and Rutgers? Well, Slippery Rock's in PA, sure. and the only two other um, Big Ten, uh, Big Ten um, FBS stadiums I've been to have been Pitt and Rutgers. Okay. okay. Maybe it's not as random so, as I thought. Just okay. top of mind. Top of mind, sure, always thinking, sure. always thinking about uh, our Big Ten brother and uh, a future American Athletic Conference. <laughs> um, always happy to do that. Nick, why is the backup quarterback always everybody's favorite player? Because it's the easiest position in sports to simply dream on what they can be without really ever needing to find out what they actually are. It's very simple. Were you a Tavares Jackson super fan? Uh, Tavares Jackson was excellent when he spent his year with the Seahawks. So absolutely <laughs> yeah. I was. That dude played eight weeks of NFL football with a torn peck. You can't buy that kind of toughness. That dude was awesome. That's true. That's great. He That's was grit. also That's the best coin flip caller ever. He did not lose ever. I loved him. All right. Interesting. All right. All right. Shout out to Tavares Jackson. Nick, Penn State's backup quarterback, at least projected, there are no starters, still a competition phase. Who's to say? But we project it's going to be Pennsylvania native Bo Prabula. I believe the first Pennsylvania scholarship quarterback since Paul Jones. Is oh, that wow. correct, I want to say? McGloin eventually, McGloin eventually ended up on scholarship, but as a recruit, it's been a minute since the Commonwealth has had a native son in that quarterback roster on scholarship from the jump. Wow. Nick, I think Bo Prevula is a really good football player. And I know we haven't seen him play a game in, in a Penn State uniform yet. He took a red shirt last year, did not appear in any games. But from the way people talk about this guy, I think if he's needed, Prevula can go in there and play some good football for this team this fall. Yeah, I very much agree. I think Bo Prevula is a very good football player. And I think... 
you know, we said this before, in an alternate timeline, he's preparing to be Penn State starter right now. Like, I don't think yeah. that the staff would have any reservations about needing to play him. I think the offense would look a bit... If Michael Penix is called short three years ago, probably Bo's the starter right now. That is very possible. That is very possible, for sure. Um, yeah. But like I, was, I, I don't think there's, I don't think the staff would have any reservations with needing to play Bo as the starter. I think the offense mm-hmm. would look a bit different um, because I don't think he has, mm-hmm. he doesn't to. have quite the arm talent that uh, Drew Aller does, and he also is a more proficient runner than Drew Aller is. Mm-hmm. But you know, he's he's just a gamer, man. Like he's, I think the the comparisons to McSorley are fair in some ways and unfair in others because I think he's, you know he's a similar similar in the way that he's you know he's a grinder he's gonna like find ways to just make things work and find ways to make plays work but i think he probably has more natural arm talent than trace mcsorley does and certainly by the time he graduates i think he'll be um much further ahead of where mcsorley was so um i i i think their penn state is in a great situation um it's a situation that you know, if depending on how Drew Aller's career goes, like should they expect Bo, Bo Pribula to stick around until Aller's done? Uh, probably not, but it's possible. But I think the staff is, you know, they're in a great spot with what they've built in that room because having Bo and Drew continuing to battle, even even though I I'm sure there are no there's no mysteries here. Like I'm sure Drew knows he's the starter. Yeah. I'm sure Bo knows Drew's the starter. Everyone in Lash knows who the starter is. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that they can't compete and work to make each other better because, you know, yeah. anything can happen. Bo, I mean, listen, the trace the trace comparisons are so easy to have. Like this is the three star that, you know, committed to an old regime that comes in that's doesn't have the best arm talent. Like you're going to have always have the people who are like, well, you know, he could he play receiver, blah, blah, blah. Like Bo is always going to be that gritty kind of yeah. player. Like he's bigger than McSorley. He's 6'2", 206. Like that's, I think that's bigger than like Tua in the NFL. Like for him to be as mobile as he is at that size is, is really mm-hmm. impressive. I think he's a really great athlete. And I want to make sure I word this respectfully. The Tommy package was a gadget package. That was, they never brought it out in big games. That was very clearly like just a ploy to make sure they had a new wrinkle to put in against like the Iowas of the world. I don't think Bo is going to be in a Tommy Stevens lion package role. I think he's going to play something similar, but I think they're going to respect him as a passer a lot more than like throwing to Tommy Stevens in the red zone. What do you think? I mean, Bo's going to have a role. I think you and I both agree on that, right? Yeah, I, I think there will be something for him. But um, I think, you know, I, to your point, I I don't foresee them breaking out like the line package for him because um, as you recall, in the wonderful podcast I did with Tommy Stevens, Tommy, awesome, one of my favorite podcasts I've ever done by far. Um, but, you know, the line package was really like, that was brought on by him going to Joe Moorhead and saying Mm -hmm. like, Hey, I want to help this team. I want to be involved somehow. Like what can I do to help? Um, and that was, you know, partially because of where kind of he was at in his career. And like, he, he was kind of a point of like, I, I, like I need to, I need to do something. I need to show that I have value. Like there's no questions about Mm -hmm. what 
Bo Prabula's value is here. Like we know what he is right now. Um, so no, I don't expect mm-hmm. to see any sort of line package. I, I, I honestly just mostly expect them to try to work him in the way that they worked Drew Aller in last year, like at the end of games. And that was going to yeah, be my next question. I think that's yeah. the most likely path. And I'm excited to see what he does in that. Like, I'm excited to see how, you know, Yurzich calls the offense. I think it's going to be, he's a better athlete than I think Clifford was. Um, so I wonder if there's just like some of the elements to what he did with Sam Ellinger back then, like back when he, back when Yurzich was mm. at Texas, like I'm curious if those plays come back out with Bo. So I think maybe we, we don't see, cause Clifford got the hook pretty early on in a lot of blowouts. I think maybe, a drive or two later is when the hook comes for Aller, just because I think the staff knows how important reps are going to be for him. But to say Prabula can't go out there and, I mean, what did I have in an hour through four last year? I feel comfortable saying Prabula can get to six passing touchdowns this fall. It, it, um, he's not going to be in our over-under uh, you know, podcast we do in a couple weeks, but Nick, if I set the over-under for Prabula on passing touchdowns this fall at five and a half, which way are you going? I'd put the under on that. Really? Yeah. Okay. You think because of some rushing, just because there's so many backs and blowouts, just going to hand the ball off a lot? Or yeah, you more there? just because of game script at that point. Like you're not throwing the ball all that often at that point in the game. Right. Um, what if we did total touchdowns five and a half? Uh, I guess I'd take the over. I wouldn't feel good about it though. I I don't. Okay. I don't the same think boat. that they're going to. Like it was obviously, and you know, for good reason, a very uh, purposeful effort to get Aller in as many games as possible last year. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going into right. this season saying we need to get Bo Prabula as many reps as possible. I think it's a different situation. I think it's going to be much more like a more traditional starter and backup um, kind of playing time split in that regard. Which is totally yep. fine. Like, that's totally healthy for a college football program. And those are two guys I am very excited to see. And Nick, to round it out, we'll talk about Jackson Smolik, the true freshman in this class, early enrollee, guy who's had a chance to go through a winter in the weight room, probably knows the playbook pretty well, very clearly going to be on the travel roster. Uh, Nick, for, for me, Smolik is break glass in case of emergency kind of guy. He's a clear red shirt. I don't see him getting in any games no, this fall. and he shouldn't. Um but you know, like we've we've heard good yeah. things. We've heard good reports from him. I don't. I know that it sounds like he's probably been better than expected since he got to campus. I I think it sounds mm-hmm. like he's been um, stronger and more athletic than expected since he got to campus. Um, but you know, he's someone that we, you know, he like he's not a world beater. He wasn't a world beater as a recruit, but he, you know, he <laughs> lit the state of Iowa on on fire basically as a high school quarterback. Like he he <laughs> dominated. So he's clearly coming with mm-hmm. some pedigree in that regard. He knows how to win, knows how to play. So he's not going to play a role this year, but you know, it sounds like he's done enough to show that he's like, you know, he's a part of this room and it's re- like, especially where he is. He is in a place where he can get lost in the shuffle really quickly um, just because of mm-hmm. the eligibility statuses of both uh, Prabula and Aller. So for him, it's even more important than most to really show what he can do as often as possible in practice. And it sounds so far like he's doing it. So good on him. Yeah, good scout team guy. You know, Prabula made some good waves running that all of last year. 
Um, again, if we see him this year, I will, I will personally be stunned. And, you know, some walk-ons in the room, Carson, Carson Keyswater, I believe is how you pronounce his last name and Jack Lambert now on campus. So five guys now in that room after the, uh, the Clifford departure and Christian Bayer's transfer, uh, over to a multi-word <laughs> offense, uh, in Pittsburgh <laughs> with the Panthers. And Nick, we're going to end our run of shows that we're going to have every day for the next two weeks with, with this one question and, you can take it however you want to take it. It can be statistically, it can be just off vibe. But Nick, the 2023 Penn State quarterbacks, better or worse than the 2022 Penn State quarterbacks when it's all said and done? Boy. It's a loaded, it's a loaded question. Uh, and I can define it however I want. Whatever way you want to go. Man. You can't do in terms of like business ownership. That's unfair. But like, <laughs> in a lot of other ways, you could take it however you want. Um, man, I statistically, oh boy. You know what? I'll, I'm just I'm gonna play the card of the optimist. That I'm gonna say better. Okay. Um. I don't think it's going to be a significant difference statistically. Agreed. And like I said, it would not at all shock me in the slightest if Aller's numbers this year were statistically less impressive than Sean Clifford's were last year, where I think they can really kind of set themselves apart this year's group as compared to last year's group is, you know, if Aller can do enough, especially early in the season, to show that his arm is not to be messed with and that he can you know, put the ball on a platter 35 yards downfield whenever he wants, if he can prove that he can do those things, it's going to be significant as far as opening things up for the run game even further. Mm-hmm. And it's simply something like Sean Clifford has a lot of arm talent. He really does. He does. He really does. But it's just not, it's not the same. Like the zip that comes with the throws out of Drew Aller's hand, it's just different. It just is. So if he can threaten offenses just by being who he is, that I think is where we could see kind of the biggest differentiator between this year and last year. Do you think the early one more quick question? Because you you made an interesting point. Do you think like West Virginia and Delaware and let's say Illinois? Do you think they come into the game respecting Drew Aller's arm and his ability to take the top off a of defense, or do you think they're they're going to play more of a we will challenge this quarterback to beat us deep and you know th- throwing his players open? Like w- which way do you fall in that in that assessment? I think. As I think you, as those teams, I think you follow the basic script that you would follow for any team in those situations. And I think that you throw as much pressure in his face as you possibly can Mm -hmm. and say, you know, if you can beat us single coverage over the top, cool, good for you. But we're going to make your life hell to prove that you can. And once he proves that he can, then I think you see teams start to back off a little bit. Okay. I think, yeah, I think, I think it might be the same way where it's going to take respect to earn respect. Like I was watching the, uh, 
the game a couple days ago, the the Michigan Ohio State game, and the entire plan for Jim Knowles clearly was: I have not seen JJ McCarthy, you know, beat a team uh, on his own, and let's yeah. see him do it. And credit to McCarthy, he did it. But like, it took to game twelve of that season for him to get there. So yeah. I think I think that could be a pretty similar thing, and it'd be cool if Aller can uh, can play like McCarthy did in that game early on in the year. I think that would be that would be pretty neat. That'd be great. <laughs> Nick, that's all I got for this episode. Any final, uh, yeah, any final comments on the quarterback as we, uh, as we shift the focus now to maybe Penn state's best position room and running backs tomorrow. Yeah. Nothing more for me. I'm just excited to see these guys play as am I. And we are ever closer to the season. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of roar lions roar. As I said, we're going to be back every day for the next two weeks, previewing each of Penn state's positions Be sure to leave us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. And if you're on YouTube, hey, be cool in the comments. You know, thumbs up the video. Uh, Hit subscribe. We always love talking to you guys down there in the comments on YouTube. And uh, follow us on Twitter over at RLRRblog. Thank you to our friends at Homefield. Again, it's 15% off your first order with promo code RLR23. And for my co-host, Nick Polak, I'm Matt Flavitz. Take care, everyone, and go State. Go State.